Hello, everyone, and welcome to the launch of our new monthly show, After School Special. I am Katie Petrick, and tonight we're talking education, we're talking politics, religion, and so much more. Nothing is off limits for the next hour, gentlemen, and we hope that all of you out there have a lot of fun. Now, without further ado, sitting across from me is the pumpkin spice king of the Midwest and host of Christ and Culture, Mr. David Fiorazzo. To my right, your left, we have executive director of Freedom Project and host of the Dr. Duke Show, Dr. Duke Pesto. And finally, maybe certainly not least, uh, it's debatable, Ronald Reagan fan club president, World <laughs> War II buff, and host of One Nation, Dr. Jake Jacobs. Welcome, <laughs> welcome one, welcome all. We've got less than an hour and plenty to discuss. For those of you watching on Facebook and YouTube, we do encourage you to add to the discussion by putting your two cents into that comment section. All right, each person on the panel was asked to select one story and one story only to discuss tonight. And Dr. Duke, we're kicking things off with your top pick. The headline reads, shocking video shows little girl rub the crotch of performer at family-friendly Tennessee Ugh. drag show. Ugh. You know, in rethinking this, the very first inaugural story is a crotch rub. <laughs> but it, this is a... Uh, this is the kind of thing that I think we, we need to publicize. We've got a situation in Tennessee where we have a drag queen hour that's being, they're now being billed guys for the kids, these are kid friendly, family friendly, religious friendly drag queens. And so uh, I thought this was very meaningful to me when I saw this clip of the video. Uh, go ahead and show the video and we'll talk a little bit about its consequences afterwards. So you have the uh, drag queens up on the stage, and notice the little girl, what? couldn't be more than six years old, rubbing the crotch area of oh. one of the drag queens. Uh, and, and dancing around, act, acting like a little princess. You can see the kind of uh, splits, the, 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 the underwear on display. You've got these creepy oh. men parading around in these gaudy, and then you got moms dancing with their babies. Uh, but the crotch rub is what I want to talk about because you hear endlessly how these are family friendly and there's nothing going on that's untoward here. This is just good, good uh, adult entertainment that's geared for children. It's family friendly. And, and then you see a child too young to even know what's going on rubbing. And I can tell you this, that little girl is not rubbing that guy's crotch because she asked to do so. Or that, or she didn't ask permission of the guy to do. You didn't just walk up to that guy and start rubbing him, right? And so there's another video that we could have shown as well, where you've got a dancing transgender or transsexual uh, or or drag queen. They, they all align it. One of the interesting rubs of this story is that uh, some moms are trying to defend it by arguing, well, this isn't about drag queens. This is about transgenderism, and that makes it okay for kids to was touch that people that way. Yeah, yeah, that I use the story the, I caught that's that you caught that, that didn't good, you? Dude. So you're you're Jake. Yeah. You're good, Jake. So anyway, <laughs> I wanted to throw it out to you guys. Uh, uh, this is where we are now in this culture. I got to tell you right away. It makes me think of when Lennon says, "You give me the child for 4 years and that child will be mine yep. forever." 
And this is exactly what's going on. If you go back to about the time period of Lenin, when you think of uh, Antonio Gramsci talking about the long march through the institutions and disciples of him like Wilhelm Reich who wrote the book The Sexual Revolution back in the 30s, or Kate Millett who was on the cover of Time Magazine in 1970, Politics and Sexuality. The whole thing has been a way to destroy the Judeo-Christian worldview and ethic. And they did it through sexuality mm -hmm. and it's here now. It's in American society right here and now. Well, and you said it. You said that these drag shows are geared toward children. In this, in this instance, it specifically was because the character that 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 woman is actually playing. They're saying it was a biological woman who was wearing the Ariel costume. Ariel obviously is Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid is Disney. Little kids know Disney. I have little kids. They know Disney, and they haven't even seen any of the movies. They just see the the music and hear that. And the little girl and this is what they're defending or they're trying to defend is that little girl while she saw the sequins and that 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 woman actually you know pushed her hand away well except she didn't in the clear scene that we just saw it takes but a half second to be like oh no and clearly that i guess character performer i don't know what they're calling her she's done many shows they say in that town and around the area before and so this is nothing new to her she should know that her sequin dress will at attract little kids to like touch it but she should know that she could easily just move that hand it, it their excuse and whatever they're trying to make is just another example of them trying to put in, in over the top and, and sexualize our kids right in front of our eyes well, you lost me at family friendly when, <laughs> when, the, when they're starting to do all this family friendly drag show and how different maybe just a little bit is when kids are sticking dollar bills in a G-string of a whatever, whether they're gay, lesbian, trans, a dancer, you know, so you're talking about they're touching young children are touching adults close to a, you know, sexual body part. And this is okay with our culture now today. So uh, you went back to Gramsci, and I'm going back to the Bible where it says, they are now calling evil good and good evil. That's Isaiah 520. This is what's happening. It's a Romans 1 society, the depraved mind, right? God gave them over. And we're seeing this all played out in front of us. We're seeing this, this it, and it is evil, but you have to reject God as creator and male and female, and that's part of Genesis. This is Romans chapter 1. And Romans, you've got to reject the word of God, and now you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah, and you know, the thing that's so maddening, we're still not quite there yet. In this culture, if you took a little girl like that to a Chippendales bar scene where you had adult men wearing the clothes and dancing and she went up and rubbed a guy's crotch, that would be an outrage. That would be child protective services. Mm -hmm. By the same token, if you took a little kid, little boy to a strip club where it was just all women, right, in, in very skimpy underwear dancing on poles, people would be outraged. But because it's men pretending to be women, somehow this is wholesome, somehow this is family entertainment but what it tells you in well, 10 years what it tells you in 10 years dave is that we will be sending kids little no, no. girls to chippendales and we no. will be sending little boys to strip clubs because this is just the camel's really big hump 
See what I did there? Under the tent again. That's a logical <laughs> no, progression. No, seriously, Duke, you're ab he's absolutely right. He says 10 years away. Now, look, I'm the old guy of the bunch. If you would have told me when I was in high school in the 70s that I would be in my 60s discussing the topic we're discussing, we knew in high school what a drag queen was. Mm -hmm. It was all about sexuality. Don't kid yourself. And when they go into libraries, they're oh. trying to normalize this. Yep. So when Herbert Marcuse wrote the book Eros and Civilization, and he talked about polymorphous perversity. His goal in polymorphous perversity was to normalize abnormal behavior, sexual behavior. And this is exactly how they're undermining the Judeo-Christian foundation mm -hmm. of our republic under God. They're not there yet, but they're certainly, it's, it's, it's uh, slouching towards Gomorrah, to and quote Robert the Bork. The question I want to ask is, I, I get why the progressives are doing it. I get why transgendered or transsexual or drag queens want to uh, shake their stuff in front of children. I understand that there's a perversion there. But what's the excuse for mothers and grandmothers bringing these kids to the Did shows? you look in the video? Oh, you could absolutely. see the mother. She That's was taking point. her baby. It, it, it's Toddlers. dancing. Yeah. It's, I don't understand it's, that. As the mother on set, <laughs> I will say it's, it's definitely because in my generation, we've been told that we need to accept others. We've been told by your generation tolerance. of no, right. tolerance. tolerance. Every, I mean, everything is tolerance. And so, oh no, I can't offend. And oh no, like I brought my children here and it's, oh, they're only singing and dancing and they're only, and we make excuses. Like everyone in my generation makes excuses because they don't want to be that mom who is intolerant. And they, we live by social media. We see what everyone ha is doing on social media. We have to follow what's happening on social media because if we're not on social media and doing what social media says, then oh my gosh, we are the, the outcasts. We're the losers. We need to fit in. This is what, I guess, especially young, even people who are younger than me, who are now the new mothers, that's all they see. They live and die by the social media. Well, oh. this is getting worse because a Democrat politician in California actually suggested we should make Drag Queen 101 a, requ a requirement to graduate from California high schools. Now, he was kind of tongue-in-cheek about that, but... This is California, right, where they have <laughs> mandatory courses on union history and LGBTQ history. His point was maybe we should require a class of all high school kids on drag before we let them graduate in California. Unreal. Okay, you say tongue-in-cheek, and Unreal. they probably take it literally. So what is happening, I mean, in California, I wouldn't doubt that you say 10 years from now, I say that requirement is within the next three years. When's Newsom up again for a re-election? That's when that will happen. My question, I guess, and I know we'll run out of time, is where's the pushback? I mean, where are the parents, where are the Christians, where are the pastors, where are the parents, uh, where are the Republicans, where are the independents, where are the conservatives, where are those who understand our country's foundings, and Loudoun this is, this is just wrong? Loudoun what? County comes to mind, where there are, COVID was a blessing, the China virus was a blessing in disguise, in that a lot of parents saw what was happening in public schools, and they saw the curricula, and they started to see what school boards were allowing, and parents were actually engaging. It, it sh Finally. It sh fi you're absolutely right. I mean, it, there, there is some hope. On the flip coin of what you said with regards to the church, there are now churches, evangel evangelical churches, who so are called. hosting drag shows. Well, you yes. just had, you right. so-called. So yeah, well, you, yeah, you have so to, we, we now have to put churches in quotes. Yes, we do. Because not everything or building or 
organization that goes by church. I mean, the Wicca, Wiccans have, a, have churches, right? Um, anyway, so churches are going by that name, and people are going, oh, let's go to church and watch a drag show. Uh-uh. At Middle Tennessee University, this, this particular incident took place in Tennessee as well, which we would consider a very red state. At the college, Middle Tennessee University, uh, about a month ago, two months ago, we had a drag performance that was at, for the college kids in which the drag queen came out in a monk's robe. So she was dressed like That's a right. Christian monk, yep. gyrating mocking. and mocking Christianity. Yep. So bad was it that the provost of the school, who, who claimed he had no idea this was happening, actually said it was a disgrace to have this, uh, to denigrate Christianity this way. It, it, it even got a, a, an American provost or, a, or, a, or a, uh, the president of the, the college, I can't remember which he was, but somebody, a high-ranking administrator, actually came out and said this was intolerant of Christianity. But it was going on in his college without even knowing it. Well, it's prophetic. It is prophetic. Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 2 and 3, mockers will come. Remember this, in the last days, scoffers and mockers. And they're mocking God and they're being very open and blatant about it. And uh, someday, someday, it'll all be cleared up, right? Well, there you go. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> Judgment is coming. It is. Uh, just so everyone's aware, just a reminder to all of you out there, we do welcome your comments if you are watching us on social media. And after what David's prophetic words here, uh, maybe you want a comment or two. All right, we're going to move from the worship of the Rainbow Mafia to worship of Jesus Christ, which, of course, cannot be tolerated by our own leaders and even foreign ones. Jake? Why don't you tell us why the left hates Italian journalist and about to be prime minister, Giorgia Maloney? So if you see the title here, it says, Why the Left Hates Giorgia Maloney. It actually could say, Why the Left Hates Christian Civilization. Yep. And we have a short clip uh, where Giorgia Maloney, by the way, a phenomenal speaker, absolutely amazing. You hear her in English and you're going, wow, I'm, I'm connecting with her worldview. You hear in Italian, which is my favorite language, by the way, Dave, I absolutely love Italian. <laughs> my, my background, my mother's La Fleur, my father's Jacob, are French, but, and I sucked at French, but <laughs> Italian tutonello. I mean, I'm telling you, I love it. So you hear her passion and her her cadence, yeah. In, yeah. but more importantly, it's her ideas. Mm -hmm. She reflects profoundly a traditional, classic, liberal, Judeo-Christian, Greco-Roman, Western civilization, Christian civilization worldview, and she's hated for that. So I just want you to hear uh, just a short little clip of uh, Georgia Maloney. Two of these history were John Paul II and Ronald Reagan to whom today's meeting is dedicated. John Paul II, the Patriot Pope, knew perfectly well that nations and the, the fact of belonging to a people sharing the same historical memory were the bedrock of the freedom of every man. He never tired to repeating that there is no Europe without Christianity. There is no Europe without Christianity. There's no proper civilization, Western civilization, without Christianity. It's the lifeblood, it's the very spirit, it's the very essence of life and liberty in not only America, but the world. But I think it's interesting, if you looked at the head of the European Commission, what's her name, is it uh, Ursula uh, von Leyden? 
She used to be the defense minister for Germany. Oh. She laughed at she laughed at Donald Trump when he said you're overdependent on German on Russian oil, right? She's now the president of the European Commission. And she is going after Italy, after Hungary, after European nations. Because the European Union now is, is kind of against Italy now because they elected a conservative prime minister. Is that what I'm hearing? Is that what we're getting? No, that's just the media. We were talking about this earlier. When the media, when Hollywood, when the powers that be, the globalists and the left all come out against someone or a movement, you can probably guess that movement is probably a good thing or something that we with conservative values would back, like God, family, country. What gets me is that here you have a, a woman, right, uh, in a place, Italy, where you never had a really a, a female prime minister. You have a woman who's a traditional liberal, she's not a right winger, and she's well-spoken. Traditional liberal. And traditionalist, yeah. yep. And they, they immediately compare her to Mussolini. Right, Mussolini's Exactly, isn't that amazing? I mean, M Mussolini is everything that someone like her 80 years ago would have been fighting against. Or, uh, it was the progressives in yeah. Italy who rallied around the Italian flag and Mussolini. The, so it was the left, the Italian left, who did that. And this, this woman who is, is, is combating that worldview, now she's Mussolini. It's just very interesting how uh, the a the ahistorical left is willing to throw these comparisons around for shock value. Well, and I I keep track of this when any anytime you have a female politician who's looking to go to higher office, and it's it's in the case of Italy, the first female prime minister. Just even you know what's happening in Great Britain with having another female. Oh, it's been a while, Margaret Thatcher. You know, to have females who are going to lead, and if they aren't far to the left yep. immediately. They could be, I mean, if they are even one iota to the right of far left, they automatically get pinned as that. And which is completely, you know, exactly what the progressives argue against and say, oh, you're just attacking her because she's female and this and that. And it's like, well, you guys are both doing it on the same token. But at least in this case, we do have females who are making sense out there. And I hope she has a, a great time and does great things for Italy because she actually She's wants up, Italy to do up well. against it. Oh what boy. the European Union, European Commission <clears throat> wants to do is literally take billions and billions of dollars of the euro away from Italy. It, Italy's got some tough times right mm -hmm. now. They've got a deficit. They've got some energy problems, although they're getting a lot of their energy from North Africa. They were more prepared than Germany ever has been. But the point is, is what's going on with her is because she, like Orban, of Hungary dared to say, look, we don't want illegals coming into our country. We have a strong, militant Muslim population <coughs> coming into Italy, bringing their crime, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the globalists of the European Union, just like the globalists of the United States, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, they're, they, here we got open borders, non-border border, millions of illegal aliens, yep. fentanyl, Chinese procured fentanyl, flowing up into Green Bay, Wisconsin, Buffalo, New York, coming right through because it's exactly what these international socialists want. They want to wear down our republic. They want to wear down true liberal democracies of Europe. That it's not just the left-wing socialists that she's fighting. She's fighting the Vatican. 
because they are 100% against her too. Her stand against illegal immigration, not immigration, illegal immigration, uh, her uh, willingness to speak, ironically, her willingness <clears throat> to speak so boldly about the necessity of Christianity for the survival of Europe puts her at odds with many of those left-wing cardinals who themselves, and then including Bergoglio, the pretend Christian pope, who's really, a as you call it, yep. called it before the show, a social justice, uh, liberation theology, old-time 60s Marxist. Look, Pope Benedict, uh, he once called what's going on in Europe and around the world the dictatorship of relativism. She is standing up to the dictatorship of relativism, mm. and they hate her for it. Yeah. They hate anybody who stands up for the, for the things that we value, the Judeo-Christian worldview, the values of Western civilization. So they're coming after her for that reason. I think it's interesting. She's speaking about her admiration of Pope John Paul II, who hated National Socialism and Soviet Socialism. She loves Ronald Reagan. They were calling Ronald Reagan a fascist in the 1960s. The leftists have been calling anybody who stood for the Judeo-Christian worldview fascist since the 1930s. This is not, there's nothing new under the sun. So this is the nature of the left-wing beast, this international socialism on the scene today. But I admire her. Yeah. Keep on watching her yep. because she is, uh, to me, she's the new iron lady. She has got strength of character. And what they're doing to her is what this country is doing to DeSantis, Ron DeSantis right now. Well, more fascinating is kind of the parallel you, you can draw because what they're doing to her, what we did to Donald Trump, not we conservatives, but the media and the left in America and the globalists did to Trump. That, I see that same thing coming against her right now. And I just find it to be amazing the feminists are not saying, hey, the first Italian female prime minister, they're celebrating Kamala, but they can't celebrate That's this right. woman over there. There's some hypocrisy That's here right. too. I just want to quote the very last sentence in your article that you got this from. It says, the fact that the media have looked down on Maloney's views, which represent traditional common sense values, not fascist ones, makes her election not just historic, but a necessary antidote to the cultural snobbery pervading or pervading Western elites. I thought that was a great ending conclusion. This so, is how you sum it the up. The left-wing pope that we have came out about six months ago and condemned populism, which is exactly what they accused Donald Trump yep. of and his voters are, right? Yep. The idea that the populi, the people, would actually dare elect, 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 elect elected officials, sorry, would dare elect officials and uh, presidents and prime ministers who don't toe the elite worldview, that's now the great sin. Even you got the Pope speaking out about that. How dare we proles elect people that don't align with UN values? That's an interesting point. The majority, the people right. elected her. So what's happening, we're seeing the elites, seemingly the globalists, out of touch with the people, right? All right, I want to pose a question to you, gentlemen. <laughs> Based on her election then and what's happening over here and what's happening, you know, worldwide, what is the future of the European Union and just Europe in general? Is there hope for the fight back? Is there hope for a return to what once was? When you see what's happening in Italy, in Poland, in Hungary, in Sweden, uh, there is a resurgence of traditionalism, classic, real, not illiberalism, but classic liberalism mm. in the 1776 sense of the word. There is a resurgence. To me, there is hope. But I'll tell you what, the European Union, 
you know, Mussolini used to say, tutto nello Stato, nella canto lo Stato, everything for the state, nothing against the state. That's fascism. Mm. And the European Union is fascistic if I ever saw an organization. Yeah. Yeah. The European Commission, the president is a non-elected official who's giving diktat upon diktat upon all the different 27 nations of Europe. And in essence, if you don't abide by our worldview will, we will punish you. But a lot, if you see the, 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 uh, the, the Dutch farmers, the Netherlands farmers, how they were reacting, Italian farmers, the World Economic Forum and all this global warming and what you're supposed to eat and what you're, how you're supposed to heat, there's been a reaction to what's going on. Yeah, and don't forget Brexit. I mean, that, of all the things you listed to give us hope, I think that was the big one. Yep. And, and I, I'm mm. concerned. I, I'm, I think it's about 50-50 that within the next five years, Brexit gets overturned. I, I think this is going to be the tipping point in, as far as I'm concerned. And when I look at Europe, I see the French and the Germans allying to push Brussels Worldview. I mean, it, it seems to me that the French and the Germans have gone full left, and then you've got some of those other countries who survived the Soviet Union, Poland, and that Hungary, makes the difference. And, and, and even the Italians, to some degree, they understand something that France, the the the, Fran the Franco-German alliance, doesn't seem to get. The future is going to be decided between those two poles. And so, mm. um, just last thing, consider Ireland. Ireland 20 years ago was one of the most conservative countries in all of the EU, EU of all of Europe before the right before the EU now their abortion regime is one of the most uh, scandalous in all of Europe they've completely they, they the, the the government of Ireland and Scotland too has become so left wing and just since the EU came into existence. That's what happens to member states. You know, I got to tell you, as a quick aside note, at the academy where I used to teach, we used to get a lot of foreign students. I would get students from Slovakia, Hungary, Czech Republic, Poland, and they immediately connected with the doc. They connected with Catholic, the Catholic worldview that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. They connected with, they were pro-lifers. They would go to the pro-life rallies in Washington, and they would, they would look at the wokeness, leftism in America, and they were absolutely shocked, and they were shocked how it had uh, <coughs> permeated the Catholic institutions. And the point is, they were a micro-example of what's actually happening by hundreds of thousands of millions of Europeans who are now becoming awakened to the woke madness. Even Macron, who I'm not a friend of, says we don't want your wokeism over here in France, huh. although he's, he's, yeah. he's hardcore left. You're right about that alliance. But, the, but Katie's right. There's something going on that's stirring in Europe, just like it is here in America. Well, I don't know how this woman flew under the radar for so long. Can I just share another quote by her, Georgia Maloney? She's, first of all, she's standing up for the dignity of every human being. She said, everything that defines us is now an enemy for those who would like us to no longer have an identity and to simply be perfect consumer slaves. She said, and so they attack national identity. They attack religious identity. They attack gender identity. They attack family identity. I can't define myself as Italian, Christian, woman, 
mother. No, I must be citizen X, gender X, parent one, parent two. I must be a number because when I'm only a number, when, I'm no, when I no longer have an identity or roots, then I will be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators, the perfect consumer. No, it's interesting. That's I, fascinating, isn't I it? I asked producer Mike to print that because I wanted to read that. She I just spoke did. that at the 2019 World Family of Congress fam of Families. What's it? World Congress of Families. Wow. And you see it in Italian and you feel the yes. passion. Yes. And then when it's translated, and I've double checked the translation, you're going, this is unreal. This is exactly what we stand for. Yes, and she's speaking about what's against what's happening in the U.S. with the school systems that we often talk about and what's happening in the public schools. Well, and don't forget, this is a war on individuality. The socialist, yeah. globalist future they have in mind for us is one in which the collective dominates. And yep. the best way the, the collective works is if it, every individual trait, even down now to gender, is eradicated. Right? Completely yeah. homogeneous right, is yep. what we want. All right. Well, according to the mainstream media, it doesn't matter if you're foreign or domestic. The practice of living by your faith is quickly making people persona non grata. David, please tell us about what's happening with these growing attacks on pro-life Americans as the justice system under you know, Merrick Garland <laughs> fails to take any action. And I know you're, you're pretty fired up on this one. Well, I've been talking about this for a while because our friend Julianne Appling in Wisconsin at Wisconsin Family Council in Madison, Moscow East, was, her, her <laughs> offices were firebombed and that was on Mother's Day, it was in May. No person of interest, no arrest has been made. Uh, I interviewed another man, um, James Harden, Jim Harden is reverend in uh, Buffalo, New York, Compass Care. Their office was bombed. And they even had security footage that they turned over to the police. That was four months ago almost. No person of interest, they can't get the security footage back. The FBI is not, is not pursuing that. It took the FBI four days to catch someone who apparently tried to light a fire at a Planned Parenthood in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Four days. It's been four months, and they have yet to arrest anyone in over, now, 100 attacks, violent attacks, causing hundreds of thousands, thousands of dollars worth of damage across the country. Pro-life pregnancy centers and churches. Vandalism. Where's the FBI? Not one arrest. And right now, I just got this update today. It looks like there are more than 140 incidences of firebombing or vandalism on pro-life centers or churches. So before I let you guys chime in on this, we've got a video of a, the woman whose husband was just raided, their home was raided by the FBI, guns drawn, with their seven children at home. There's the headline right there. FBI agents raid home, arrest pro-life advocate in front of wife and children. Uh, and they didn't have to do it. It was ab absolutely wrong, a miscarriage of what they consider justice. But I want to play this video of her on an interview with Tucker Carlson. Given that neither you nor your husband nor any of your seven children have been charged with a violent crime or accused of violence, um, how many FBI agents would, with guns would you estimate showed up at your house? Um, it, ha it had to have been 20, 25, 30. Completely in jackets with shields and helmets and guns and they were behind cars. It was, I mean, something I never would expect to see on my front lawn. Joe Biden Justice Department, they're intimidating clearly pro-lifers, Christians, Republicans, those who want to stand for life and help women, allow them to have their babies, right? 
so this is what's happening. And like I said, on the other side, if there's even a, a hint of an attack on a Planned Parenthood, like a, four days it took to arrest, make an arrest. Did there. this happen in Philadelphia? Yes. Well, I mean, no, Buffalo was the one. This, one, this I, one is just outside of Philadelphia. Oh, well, there's another one in Buffalo, but this guy yeah. was arrested. This, this particular case that we just saw. Yes. What rips my heart out is to think Philadelphia is the birth of the Declaration of Independence. Oh, boy. It's the, the summer of the miracle, the summer of the miracle of, of 1787, the creation of our republic under God. And we've got this FBI gone rogue on us yep. in cahoots with the Democratic Party. Yep. I mean, look at the whole situation right before the election in 2020 with the New York Post, the oldest newspaper in America, right? Founded by Alexander Hamilton. And they break the news of Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, Joe Biden in corruption with China and crickets with the rest of the media. And now come to find out Facebook and Twitter have admitted they actually quieted down on that, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I think it's much later in the day than the average American believes for this yeah. republic. It's really much religious. later. When you've got <clears throat> organizations like the FBI, when you've got the Department of Justice, think about COVID. For two years, you had, we, we all fought local police. If they ever came to a, an internal crisis in this country, local po police surely would side with the people. They were, many of them were enforcing these mandates. They were uh, per persecuting people for going to church, writing tickets, sending people to jail. Yeah. Look at the fact that, you're, to your point, we still have people from the supposedly January 6th revolution, right? The insurrection. The, the insurrection, who are sitting in prison cells without any legal representation. Months and months and months after the fact. When you look at what's going on, the selectivity of justice, how certain people's properties being vandalized reminds me of yeah. Kristallnacht. You've got people being imprisoned now without representation. Are we that far away yes. from 1932? In Germany, are we that far away? I mean, it's a lot later, I think, than people think. Good point. What you also said reminds me of what happened on our streets in 2020, right. when they were allowing police precincts to be bombed, cars, right. police cars, and buildings were destroyed. H hundreds of millions of dollars worth of damage. There were murders on our streets. Black and minority business owners lost their businesses under the guise of Black Lives Matter. But as we know, it's Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation that's driven by Marxists. So we have to recognize what's been happening. And we're not surprised by this, but we, some of us are trying to raise awareness. So the more we can put this out on social media and, and have these discussions, this is in America. We understand what our constitution teaches and how we used to be, and this shouldn't be happening. Well, but on top of that, with this specific story, it's not like, this just happened in terms of the event, the like scuffle that happened involving that man's yes. child to the 11 year old. This incident actually happened about a year ago. Yes. And then it was all of a sudden, and, and we didn't see in that Tucker Carlson clip, but in the, the full interview, uh, the lawyer for the family was on mm -hmm. and he said, we offered for him to be brought in and, and they said, no, no, no. Right. And so instead, instead of just thinking oh let's like let him come in no no let's have all these agents and i don't care if it was one agent or the 30 maybe that they had mm -hmm. the fact that you even have one agent there with a drawn gun at a family's home yeah. with children who go down in the ages and again in the interview if you watch it with tucker carlson this is what broke my heart is that the mom was talking about you know like tucker had to ask how are the kids doing yeah you know and the 
And, oh. and yeah, in the, the older ones, you yes. know, they kind of talk about they it. Cry. They cry. But the did. younger ones go, and I get goosebumps when I, mm. I, I think of it. The so younger ones are going into their parents' bed and crying. Yeah. The only thing missing was for the FBI to shot the family dog, right? Yeah, basically <laughs> That's that the way only you thing. would have, if you would have and, done that. And while we're going down this path, think about these two things. We, we had a situation two years ago, a year and a half ago, where school board presidents and unions called the federal government, wrote, wrote to the Joe Biden Department of Justice and said, hey, Garland, parents are getting mad at us. Send your agents out. And yep. they did. And then how about this just two days ago? The American Medical Association, the AMA, is now petitioning Merrick Garland to punish and censor anyone who questions transgender surgeries and hormone therapies. It's unreal. Wow. You, you know, Back in the day, I can still remember it when you had people like uh, Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers, right? Weather Underground yep. Students for Democratic Society. Yep. The FBI was evil, was horrible, right? Now, crickets by all these leftists, all these globalists, the FBI, they love the FBI for what they're doing. Mm. It's a shame. It really is. Well, Katie, I'm glad you brought up the details of the story because you're thinking, how could the FBI end up on, at the, these people's home? Well, all he did was almost a year ago, he's got, I think, an 11 year old he was an 11 son. Year old, yeah. And there was a, you know, how the pro abortion, you know, activists sometimes get in your face and they're screaming and shouting. He was screaming profanities, or I, I remember if it was a man or a woman, at this little 11 year old. And all he did was go like this, put his arm out to push the guy away from getting out of it, child, his, yeah. his child's space. And that was where the suit was filed, allegedly. And that's where, where is that worthy of the Justice Department getting behind this and the FBI raiding someone's home? That, I mean, there wasn't even going to be charges pressed on the dad's behalf because, right. I mean, the dad was pretty... Oh my gosh, we had a father out there being a father trying to protect his, his own children. Oh my wow. goodness, how dare he? You know what's he? going on here, people. They want the people to be sheeple. This is their way, the long arm of the federal government, the deep swamp, coming into the homes of Americans yeah. and saying, if you don't do what we tell you to do, we will come after you. If you don't align by our worldview, we will make you pay the price. And they use them as an example, and then millions of people look at that and go, okay. And it's not okay. just the F FBI and the DOJ. Wait till your tax forms are due next April. 87,000 wow. new IRS agents Armed. is going to be yes. another Armed. way they're going to remind you that you, you will, as you said in Italian, right? The, what the party says goes. Mm. The party makes all, dictates all the, what you will be, the party dictates. And so they're going to come with you on that score That's coming down point. the road as well. That's and they want point. us to live by their lies. They absolutely, through the, the power of the federal, the central government, they want us to continue to live by their lies. If it weren't for the ability of power to make people live by lies, you never could have had communism and socialism. That's right. Well, Solzhenitsyn, that's what he's exactly. declared. And Sev, I can still remember reading his essay when he came to America, and he said, we have lived by the lies of, the Soviet, of Soviet socialism. We have to stop living by their lies. And it's the same here yeah. in America. We have to stop living by the lies of the left. When you listen to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, it's one either delusional or outright lie after another. And you have a media who doesn't check this. You have a surrogate for the Biden administration, the, the, uh, the, the what, Pierre, 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 yeah, Jean -Pierre. who just mouths platitudes. Yeah, she's you're French, by the way, your French sucks. There, oh, there, there was a line on a sitcom many years ago, it's not a lie if, if you believe it. And the bigger the lie, the more people will believe it. And that's right? what's happening. Um, it's, it's fascinating that the lie in this case
It's not, it's just a clump of cells. It's not a human life in a mother's womb. The lie in this case is choice, reproductive freedom. They're saying this is all, it's my body, my choice. The lie is that God did not create that human being in his image to be born and have a purpose. And, make, and, and the, the part of this transgender surgery crap is to sterilize future generations. You know, you're taking little children and you're ripping their uteruses out now, uh, 13, 14, 16 year old girls, taking their breasts off them. And what, isn't it amazing how that aligns just so perfectly with the global climate change people? World Economic Population Control. Exact, population yep. control. Eugenics. All this Malthusianism. Stuff. Yeah, Malthusianism. It all comes right. together. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I just want to plug my article that I wrote. It's on harbingersdaily.com, and it's titled, Biden Justice Department is Turning a Blind Eye to Pro-Abortion Terrorism. So and you're, you're, this is you're, what's you're happening. Your, so I can plug my books and plug stuff? Plug it, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. God, God, the gospel, and government, yeah, right? Yep, and Mob Rule, Unmasking the Radical Leftists at Our Doorstep. Great book, yeah. number one for one week on Amazon. Canceling Christianity, <laughs> Katie. <laughs> Plug your wares. Plug your wares. All right. Well, let me just take 30 seconds to say that if you like what you've seen so far, and you just happen to also have a business, not writing books, but if you happen to have a business, we would love to partner with you. Our Freedom Project programming reaches tens of millions of people every year, and we'd love to promote your business. Simply send us an email to media at fpeusa.org to get the conversation started. I guarantee our rates are very affordable and know that with your help, we can keep programs like this going. Again, please send an email to media at fpeusa.org if you are interested in supporting our freedom-loving programming. Okay, so based on everything that we've heard so far today, how are you feeling out there? Let me know, because I'm about to basically, you know, bring a tear to your eye, but in a good way. Because I think we've heard enough depressing news for one day, and that's why I decided, gentlemen, to select a story that proves that we still have a little bit, even if it's a little bit, a little bit of humanity left in this world. And before I even mention anything about it, we're just going to watch <laughs> and get out the tissues. Thank God. Hi, how you doing? How you doing? Oh, not too bad. How are yeah. you doing? I'm sorry to bother you. Um, oh. I've had a really, really rough day. I just wanted to see if you'd be willing to go to Disneyland with me today. Hey, that's great. <laughs> you really want to take me? My gosh, I can't believe this. I was lying on the grass a Sunday morning of last week. I know How does it feel to be at Disneyland today? Oh my God, this is one of the best days of my life. I feel like I'm, I might be dreaming or something. <laughs> I thought my life was over. I'll remember this day for a long time. You don't know how much I appreciate this. You really? You don't know. Hmm. Wow. Tears. Where's, well, tears. Gotta, Where's the tears Kleenex? If you don't have tears. Oh, I got it. I got it. You have it no here, soul, and I knew you. this was going to happen. Right here. I have no soul. Call he has me no soul. The punch I knew it was going to happen. I know where you're going. I know what he's going to do. Yeah, but, t but tell me if I'm not right. So when that old man was there, did he get lectured by Disney about critical race theory? Did he learn that his whole state was homophobic because they didn't want third graders exposed to transgender? Because this is Disney, right? And again, it's a great feel-good story, and God bless Disney for taking care of that guy and the man who brought him. That's fine, but Disney. This is one of those megalopolis corporations 
who are behind the worst things that we've talked about in the first three segments. Thank you. Thank you. And where were the purple rainbow ears? Well, on right. the, they have the LGBTQ Mickey. I agree. I was thinking, boy, what a great story. God bless that man. And it was. It is. Yes. You guys are and, a bunch and, of killjoys. And, and, and yet they're plugging Disney. And I'm going, oh, Lord. It's Disney. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but Walt Disney, Walt, Walt Disney would agree with you guys. And roll Walt, over in his grave. He would be rolling today. over in his grave. No, but look at, as the son of a World War II veteran, my dad left home at 17 years old, gave three years of his life to fight the Imperial Japanese, the fascist, right? So to see this 100-year-old man being loved that way, I, I, because of Katie, I never knew, uh, learned, knew about this Isaiah Garza, so I sat there and watched about 15 of his videos, helping homeless That's people. Wonderful. It was unbelievable. I, I know he's made a lot of money doing this. That's a TikTok thing, I guess. Yeah. I don't know much about TikTok, although I am at the Jake Jacobs show on TikTok, by the way. But really? I, I just think my hat's off to uh, Isaiah Garza for blessing this 100-year-old man who yeah. gave, uh, he sacrificed a chunk of his life to yes. fight against evil national socialism or so he's Japanese. a veteran right yes so to get to the story <laughs> uh, this the man that you see is 97 years old a lot of people said he was 100 but at 97 year old William good and uh, yeah some a lot of the articles the are saying 100 years old other ones are saying 97 the point of the whole video as I'll get to <laughs> is uh, Isaiah Garza he's a 30 year old man who was homeless up until about five years ago so he was homeless and he decided that and he does fashion jewelry and design and stuff too and he TikTok. but he decided that instead of you know blaming the system and saying his work like everything is is crap out there he's gonna do his best and give back to those who helped him get out and so what happened is he actually put out on craigslist an ad looking to find a, a senior citizen for a fun video and he um, someone named Nelva Aguilar, who's actually the caregiver of the 97-year-old William Good, actually responded to the ad. So William had no idea about this, but she knew to then bring him to the park. And then when they arrived, as you That's saw, cool. Garza approached him. So he had no, he truly had no idea that this was going to happen. And the reason I put this story out there <laughs> is because I want to get your opinion. You guys are of a different generation than than mine, and so we, my generation, gets crapped on all the time as being like awful human beings well you're a millennial millennial, a millennial yes right. for you to say millennial <laughs> but i want to see you know especially now as you guys are getting older i'm just going to keep plugging that fact uh <laughs> but the oldest generation i mean we are at the end of world war ii vets we are at the end of a generation mm. who actually believed in this country and, and what it was founded on where are we going from here? I mean, is there hope? We have Isaiah Garza here being like, I hey, got how about we actually take care of our that elderly instead of just letting them die in the nursing homes, a la one ex-governor. No, look, look, okay, look, real quick, real quick. That's yeah. my point of bringing this in. Yeah. Not to crap on Disneyland and Disney. I get it. They're awful. But uh, 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 the point of the story... <laughs> Before you go there, because it's good. That's why I wanted to bring this in. I want to get your opinion do, on this. I want okay. to see what you meant about During the different generations. During World War II, there was a great song. You have to accentuate the positive, right. eliminate the negative, yes. latch onto the affirmative, don't mess with Mr. Katie in between. And here's the point. Who's Mr. Katie? We knew, I knew when I saw the segment, and I know, I, I agree with you guys, and I thought, who's going to go there? It wasn't going oh, to be me, because the way as a boomer, I related to it. I, can, I wear a ring that says 1944. It's an actual World 
War II shell. When my dad went off to fight the Japanese, he left Iron Mountain, Michigan. That's Dave's neighborhood, his parents. Uh, He he went in at 43, trained 17, went in to fight in 44. And so immediately I resonated with this gentleman who's probably around the same, if my dad was alive, Mm -hmm. that age. That was was the greatest generation, an amazing generation. And so... I think it's important for us to understand that. Now, there's a time and a place. You get me going on Disney, and I'll go there. Yeah. To me, they're disgusting with what they've been pushing. But in the meantime, to see this very accentuating the positive story, I love it. I think and it's, it's a great way to end after what we all, all of our stories. I like that the fact that we went to something like this, and it is important. I just I wish it wasn't a commercial for Disney because right. that's what really it appears to be with all the TikTok <laughs> views. But I agree. We've got to. How can we? encourage that generation and they their lives really mattered and meant something and they did so much for this country well i th- i think that the two the two types of stories uh, stories intersect and i don't think it's problematic i think it's neither or this is not a one or the other choice i think that you have a wonderful thing that was done by a a, a very giving and concerned young man to help our greatest generation. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that, but, but when you look at the intersection of the other stories, I mean, we live in a culture now, <laughs> may, put it this way, if there were fewer Disneys, maybe we would have more people like that young man doing things like that. Mm. Uh, Disney is, is culturally erasing so many of these aspects of our culture that we've been talking about and lamenting. What Maloney said in Italy, the corporate consumerism. I mean, is there a better example of that globally than than Disney and so uh, I, I would like to know who paid I assume did, did Disney let them in free or do they pay to get in if this individual paid for him and his uh, the, the elderly gentleman to go again you're feeding those coffers uh, mm. uh, it, it doesn't in any way shape or form lesser the charity or the the beautiful concern for other people but it, mm-hmm. but to point out that when we think about helping people and giving people happiness it's almost always by conceding to the broader destructive impulses of the worst companies in this country this i think they can be mutually illustrative stories here i don't think it has to be one or the other i think the word you used is intersecting these stories are and that's i find that to be fascinating because here we are talking about the greatest generation and then we're talking about disney it's like how do those but it, this is the same story, right, Katie? Well, it reflects what's been happening in American society. If oh, Disney's gone woke, yeah. it's true. And, and some people may think you've been goofy about your opinions on it. Get that uh, goofy? That Was that good? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my but, goodness. You worked I mean, that in. You are Thanks, right. Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing more to say. <laughs> well, again, I guess I asked the question, because of the way the older generations look at the younger generations if we start to highlight and feature these types of actions done by younger people do you find there to be hope for the future do we find that we are actually is there a a chance that we're going to make it through all of this i I really am a believer in christian universalism i I don't think this generation is any worse than any gender generations become before it i think they're worse educated just like we were worse educated than the greatest generation i think that human nature is a constant and so i don't find gen zers or millennials to be worse Uh, i just think that we are less educating our kids from generation to generation. So I have a lot of hope. And, and, and you could even go this far, Katie. The fact that there are millennials and Gen Zers who are engaged in really good philanthropy, good, good deeds, despite 
being so horribly educated is actually harder for them to have done it than for us to have done it. So that's where I see the hope that we're seeing these glimmers from kids who have not been educated in Christianity still trying to do the right thing. So there's that's a lot of hope right there, it seems to me. So what you're saying is this is actually a really good story. That is a good story. (laughs) And that's I just wanted to get that on record. Yeah, as Dave pointed out, it's also an interesting story. It is a fascinating story. Because of what the intersectionality is. Absolutely. So you're welcome for me providing this. Intersectionality Come on, that's a critical race theory term. Yes. Well, you you first brought up intersectional, though. All right, fair enough. You did. I just add the itty at the end. Sorry, Kate. All right, gentlemen. (laughs) We're not done yet, are we? Well, hey, I'm a mom. I got got to go make some dinner for the children. So I guess that's going to wrap it up for our inaugural episode of After School Special. I do want to thank David, Duke, and Jake even Jake, for sharing their stories and their thoughts today. Now, please remember you at home to download the Freedom Project Media app if you don't have it already and allow for notifications so we can send you an alert when shows like this one are published. And since our goal is first and foremost to educate, we want to leave you with just a little look at one of our latest episodes of Heroes of the West featuring the Winston Churchill. War heroes are often remembered for sacrifice in battle, while wartime leaders are often remembered for tenacity in dark times. Sir Winston Leonard Spencer Churchill will be remembered through the ages as both a great hero and leader in the Allied fight against Nazism in World War II. Churchill was born in 1874 in Blendheim, Oxfordshire, England, to an aristocratic family, the eldest son of Lord Randolph Churchill and Jenny Jerome. As a young man, his father insisted he serve in the military, and he entered the Royal Military Academy as a cadet in the cavalry, graduating in 1894, just after his 20th birthday. His military travels exposed him to geopolitical realities, which included being shot at in Cuba and escaping captivity at the hands of the Boers in South Africa, a feat that made him a war hero. After military service, Churchill won a seat in the House of Commons at the young age of 25. In 1908, he married his wife Clementine, a union that would produce five children. In 1911, he was called to serve as First Lord of the Admiralty, a post that made him civilian leader of the British Navy. After overseeing the disastrous Gallipoli campaign in World War I, Churchill resigned from government, only to return a few years later, having gained valuable experience in leadership positions. By 1939 and the outbreak of World War II, it became apparent that the progressive policies of Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain towards Germany had failed miserably, and Churchill was called back to serve again as First Lord of the Admiralty. He took command on September 3rd, the same day Britain declared war on Nazi Germany. In May 1940, Churchill succeeded Chamberlain as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. The appointment, in some ways, was an act of desperation in response to the Blitz, Adolf Hitler's massive air raid campaign against London. Over the course of the Battle of Britain, London faced 57 consecutive nights of bombings, claiming more than 20,000 civilian lives. 
During the summer and fall of 1940, Churchill and his coalition government worked feverishly from underground offices and bunkers to plan the strategy that would ultimately win the Battle of Britain and turn the tide of war. His inspiring speeches delivered to an anxious and uncertain populace cheered, rallied, and inspired the nation while continuing to fight. He reassured all who listened that we shall fight on the beaches and we shall never surrender. Churchill's resilience and defiant rhetoric turned to jubilation in early May 1945 as the free world celebrated the end of World War II in Europe. Despite the victory, Churchill failed to hold on to the position of prime minister as post-war England sought to rebuild. But in 1951, the rapid spread of communism in Eastern Europe swept Churchill back into the position of prime minister. In 1953, he was knighted and awarded a Nobel Prize in Literature, in part for his four-volume history of World War I and his six volumes dedicated to World War II. Churchill resigned the position in 1955 due to failing health, but remained a member of the House of Commons until 1964. On January 24, 1965, at the age of 90, Churchill died after suffering a stroke. One of the unmovable pillars of freedom in the battle between tyranny and liberty, Churchill fought tirelessly to free the West from all forms of oppression, including fascism and communism. With fierce passion and dedication to his principles, Churchill lived by his own advice. <laughs> never give in, never give in, never, never, never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, Never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. With his trademark cigar and V for Victory sign, Winston Churchill remains an enduring symbol of the West. For all of us at Freedom Project, thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.